0: You are now tuned in to the Property Management Show with your host, Alex Osinenko. We bring in the experts of today so you can be the master of tomorrow in all things property management. Whether it's getting more doors, running a profitable fee based business, or by simply being the best property manager. So, grab a pen and paper because this episode is sure to be a good one. Thank you. And enjoy the show.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Property Management Show. Uh, I have a good one for you today. Um, It's always a good one. But today is interesting because I met today's guest um, via email. So, he emailed me a response to my interview with mind.co, which is if you remember, maybe a couple episodes ago, I interviewed Doug Bryan, who's the venture backed, um, you know, got millions and millions of dollars, venture backed property management company, uh, millions of dollars from VCs, I believe, I believe something around 20 uh, million mark, I can't recall. And Benton actually wrote me an email, said, Hey, great, great interview. Um, but I also, wanted to let you know there's another way to grow a property management company pretty fast um, without actually raising funds. And I really piqued my interest and we chatted and he's here today. And so let me tell you what he's done. He's done, he went from 450 properties in about two and a half years ago to 2000 in 12 markets. Again, two and a half years ago without raising any funds. He calls it Fiscal, fiscal, fiscally responsible growing. Is that, is that how you call it, Benton? Fiscal responsibility yeah. and losing sleep—is that
0: how you did it? Yeah, yeah. Fiscal responsibility and losing sleep. Lots of losing sleep, you know.
1: <laughs> very, very cool. So, Benton Cotter here on the show with us today. Benton, how are you?
0: Good. How are you doing? Alex? appreciate you having me on.
1: Oh, it's it's my pleasure, and it's uh, it's really interesting for me. There's so many questions I have, and I, I realize I wanted to understand first and uh, have an audience. Uh, Help help our audience understand. Where are you going with this company? What is the vision here? You, the
0: CEO and founder, correct? You co-founder. Co-founder, yeah, co-founder with uh, Jacob Ash. And so, yeah, our goal is to continue to grow. You know, we want to be at ten thousand doors by twenty twenty, and in twenty markets. So we're currently at twelve markets right now. We want to continue that landscape uh, emergence and growth, and also grow our doors to to ten thousand doors by twenty twenty. You know, we're on pace. We've we've hit most of our goals there. So it's it's in sight. You know.
1: 10,000 doors by
0: 2020
1: yeah <laughs> okay and you're on pace that's and 2020 is only a year and a half away yeah a year and a half away yeah so
0: there's gonna be there's gonna be a jump you know hopefully here
1: <laughs> wow and you go in 20 markets so what i how much of your growth came from acquisitions and how much of it came from organic
0: so we're we're about sixty percent uh, acquisitions right now, and then forty percent organic growth. Uh, we had a when we first started, we had a big company just kind of fall over our lap about eight hundred fifty doors here in the Phoenix market, and so that was kind of the catalyst. And then we've made about seven acquisitions since, you know, all the way from fifty doors to to another seven hundred fifty. How do you find people who want to sell? You know, that's that's a trade secret there, Alex man. Uh, we, <laughs> You know, we're, we're kind of flying out the radar. And, and to be honest, it's, it's a lot of my partner, Jacob Ash, calling and cold calling. We, we get a list of all the property manager companies in the area, NARPAM, and we just call them and see if there's a deal to happen. And what works is it's me and him calling. Um, and so uh, we don't have a business developer or someone like that. It's actually us. So we kind of get connected with these people. And also we have a lot to offer as well as, hey, we have buyers that want to buy in markets. We, you know, Jacob comes from the distressed property uh, realm, so has a big network of buyers. Um, And so we kind of build a relationship and and see how it's going and see if it's a fit, Um, you know, but we really build up the relationships personally with us, um, kind of the, we're the good old boys. We're not some big company. We're the good old boys. So just cold calling. Nothing nothing fancy, we cold call. So hustle. Yeah, just hustle and, you know, cold calling and going out and meeting, buying dinners, you know.
1: By the way, I think I failed in the introduction to mention your company name. It's RentVest. Uh, (laughs) You guys are listening and I happen to be not in your car. Don't do it in the car. But if you're in front of the computer, um, go to rentvestpm.com. Is that right? That's That's correct. correct. Is that where you are? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll link out to the site. Uh, So that's awesome. So 60% acquisition through some hustle cold calling with your partner. That sounds like a plan. But the other 40%, which is uh, the growth is about 1500 units. So about 700 units you got over the last two and a half years from organic growth. Let's pin that down a little bit for a second and talk about that. Um, that is pretty incredible growth, right? And you also did it in multiple markets, right? New, opening new markets.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the key for here is the last uh, first year was all acquisitions, basically. We did some organic growth. We're just too busy buying buying doors, you know, going through and learning that process. So the past year, year and a half has really been about our organic growth. And so we've opened nine markets in 18 months. Um, and so they're just emerging. You know, we, we have a lot of doors. They're just, they're at 50, you know, they're at 50 doors because they just barely started. But um, yeah, it's all through digital marketing. You know, our SEO is lacking. You can point that out. Our SEO is really lacking because we, we just haven't focused, focused on AdWords. You know, that we know what our return is so we can go on the market and do some AdWords, being and some other some digital advertising uh, methods. Mm.
1: So Benton, you said AdWords, uh, anything besides, have you done like old property management, have you done actually lead buying versus doing AdWords?
0: Yeah, you know, we, we, we try everything. You know, we're, we're gonna throw flyers at everything. Uh, we'll try whatever we want. You know, we do some out property management, some leads, management property, you know, we do whatever we can, you know. Uh, we're not a big fan of those, uh, to be honest. Uh, we like the AdWords, we like them searching us out and be able to read our website. We try to be transparent, we put our fees and everything we can on our website and our lead generation sites. Um, so by the time they get to us, they're a little bit nurtured, a little bit more on their own, um, and so we love those more. But we tried everything: Facebook, LinkedIn, name it, mailers, whatever you, whatever you think you can think of. Everything we've tried is radio. You know, you know, you know. There's a big player in that space, so we're going to stay away <laughs> yeah. from radio. But everything else we've tried, and you name it, we've tried. How do you,
1: how do you decide? And that's that's actually. Let's see if you. Um, let's see if that if that works this question works um how do you do you actually measure do you do some simulations and understand the customer the um possible customer uh, or projected customer acquisition cost through adwords before opening up a territory does is that does that play into it
0: yeah that's that's part of the factors because we know we're all online based so we want to know the search volume so we look up certain keywords we know just keywords work we run some diagrams and and uh, run how much the Keywords will come back, how much volume people are getting. Also, we look at average monthly rent and see, hey, our cost of acquisition is projected at this, and we think we can close this amount of uh, leads and conversion rates. Run all those scenarios to, to see what our ROI would be and, and where we go. But definitely the search volume is huge, and that's what we try to gauge on, um, plus also competition. You know, there's certain areas that they don't have a, we're a flat fee model, and there's some areas that don't have a flat fee model. We feel like we can emerge in there and, uh, you know, really grasp and change and we differentiate ourselves. Um, so that plays in a factor as well, but uh, the research of the keywords is is key. And to be honest, we even will spend a thousand or two bucks just to test out the market before we're even there. Why take the phone call and just let them know, hey, we're we're not there yet, but we will be soon. We'll be licensed soon, or we're already licensed, but we'll be there opening up. You know, just to gauge to see. So we don't actually jump in and our projections are wrong. We can actually run a test, and once you run about two thousand three, you can kind of you can kind of see really what you, what your results are going to be.
1: Hundred percent. So I we'll run simulations. So we we'll do the same thing for clients, right? If Somebody says, okay, well, is this, is this worth it going to this market? This is the kind of stuff we do. We, we go into um, um, run a simulation on AdWords. You can tell what the cost per click is. You know what the cost per click, you can sort of, um, from there, you can pretty much assume cost per lead. And from there, you can assume cost per customer acquisition cost, cost per customer. It's such a, we have not been very wrong um, at all doing that, that process, and i'm I'm really glad that you, uh, that you sort of have um, identified that as a as, as a as a way to really gauge markets before going in, and I love the testing process. So what would you do? Would you just throw up a landing page, throw a couple thousand dollars, and see, yeah. see actually validate the conversion rate?
0: Yeah, and we'll do a little bit of a, a broad scheme. And, and nice thing is, you know, it's taking us the call or whatever, so I can kind of pretty gauge the, uh, how engaged this, this client's going to be and where they're going to sign, you know. And we kind of go off of how many clicks and how many actually feel, fill out the web form um, rather than how many people I talk to and I project out. You know, that's always a here. You never, you never know. Sometimes people are, you think you're going to sign, they don't sign, so you, you don't go by that. Path, but you go by that. Um, just like you, because we have multiple markets, and, and it's pretty duplicatable. As you know, that's the benefit of you is you have all this data. Uh, that you can benchmark and that's what we feel we can do as well we can benchmark more better than that person that specific local office because we know hey 90 percent of the time this works in other markets it's going to work here you know there's a few variations obviously on the ads and keywords and content but um it's pretty duplicatable and so that's the best way to do it is test it out and that's why like local markets just throw some money at it and see if it sticks you know we do broad keywords a lot too as well it's just see if we can pick up some new keywords that we can expand to all the markets Um, You never know what, what, you know, Denver was pretty high tech, you know, and they had some different keywords that came out of Denver that we didn't realize we're searching in other markets and we're able to apply that to other markets as well. Mm,
1: Very cool. Um, Let's talk a little bit down funnel. Um, Actually, well, before we go there, um, do you do anything with mailers?
0: You know, mailers are hard. You know, we, we try them, um, and we do some certain markets better for that. You know, like our Reno market, they're putting the package together, the team down there, actually, to kind of coalesce with our marketing. And I think it works in some markets. Um, uh, but for us, it hasn't been too effective. Our cost of acquisition is way higher, and so we we stuck to our digital means is, is better, but we definitely try them. We, you know, you just never know. We've tried, you know, the huge, you know, 8 by 10 mailer. You know, we try everything you can think of, the weird saying on them. We've tried direct. And usually, to be honest, it's the cheap little yellow three by five that just says, "Hey, you want a property manager?" it has been the most effective. You know, it sucks, and the cost is nothing, but yet we'll spend ten grand on this nice miller, and it gives us no results. And so, I have no idea on millers. So like I just give it up. But we'll send them out once in a while. But um, to be honest, or it's it's not worth it. We'd rather do the digital. And the clientele you get from your AdWords with our seeking out a property manager um, is just so much more effective than you know trying to get them when they're when they're hot. You know, and that's why I feel like Facebook and LinkedIn is. They're not thinking about it, but yet maybe an ad pops up and maybe now they start thinking about it. But if they call you right then, they're not really prepared to hear everything. But if they're searching you out through Google search or being, they're prepared for to, to learn and, and know what your, your product is and the value you're going to bring. They're
1: further down the buying process, yeah. the buying yeah. funnel, right? They they already are choosing. Uh, they yeah. know they have a problem. They've identified it. They identified a potential solution. They just need to find who's going to provide exactly. that solution. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. Now what we're doing, just is, is to share a little bit, uh, of strategy stuff with you. Um, we find that mailers uh, work probably five to six touches. What mm-hmm. amplifies and that's kind of expensive to run that many mailers, but it's not it's not cost prohibitive. You do what what you do end up getting is different people that you would have gotten through AdWords. So a lot mm-hmm. of ways, you sort of like y- you get a little bit different market so you don't really overlap too much mm-hmm. um, where, You know, they're going to get your mailer and click on your AdWords. No, usually that doesn't happen. They'll go research your website and then. That's good Um, But what we've done, we have a multi-channel. We approach it, we call it MCM, multi-channel marketing. And so we increase the frequency of touch by remarketing to them on Facebook, Mm -hmm. um, as well as remarketing for the website, as well as running AdWords campaign with a very, very sort of similar offer. And so we'll structure the six or five or six uh, drop sends um in a way that it sort of leads them to a decision like uh, initially helps them identify a problem without really any pitching then some education then some uh questions on you know hey is you are you getting rent this month or is it is the the tenant late again um very very specific stuff and then they'll get the same stuff on facebook to them right um because you can do audience match on facebook
0: yeah
1: and touch that and we find that's being in fact the cost the customer acquisition costs are similar to adwords but we feel that's a different kind of clientele that may have not, like you trigger you know, them instead of, you know, instead of they already are in the buying process.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the key is because people sometimes are not searching out, they don't have time or whatever, you know, you definitely want the different mocha channel. I and mean, if you combine them, think how powerful that could be, put those mailers inside of your campaign. You know, we do our drip campaigns with mailers. They got, you know, hey, if they open up this email, I'm gonna send this, this mailer to them, you know, about, hey, is your tenant late again? They must have liked this email about evictions. And so, you can direct mail them something else, you know, just different multi channels as well. But I like the idea of broadening your audience, um, and then just the more touches you have, the better. You know, that's the key. is follow up works because you just have more touches with them. You know, that's why yeah, a lot of property managers don't follow up. Well, that's, that's you're missing out on probably twenty percent of conversion just because you don't follow up. And it's all about touches and getting them at the right spot and hitting that emotion factor. You know, where they're hey, they, they, they buy in once they hit that emotion factor you're looking for.
1: Um. So you guys, what is? Uh, let's talk down the a little bit. So marketing, all right. You try anything. You do some uh, AdWords and and Bing and cost per click uh, or pay per click seems to be what's working for you to test out the market, but also continue and 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 know exactly what your acquisition cost is versus your. Your your customer value and you can manage the business that way fiscally responsible. Yeah. What is does your uh, Benton? Where a lot of this falls apart for many uh, property management companies I know is the sales process.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. And you you just so alluded to a follow up. Uh, I get that nobody follows up anyway at all. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> a lot of them don't even an answer to the phone, and if they do, it's not by a qualified person, and there's no continuity. Uh, through the sales process, there's really no design. I mean, the industry is going that way, but it's very, very slowly. And yeah, sure. people don't op- operationalize sales for some reason or marketing. They think it's all kind of just necessary evil and, yeah. you know, we'll we'll do the best we can. What is your sales process? Help us understand how you do it.
0: Yeah. So I'll be honest, we're a little different. I believe 100% what you're saying. Um We actually don't do business developers. We don't have BDMs. Um, Just because we're emerging markets, we want to keep the the overhead low. And so what we do is we go after really qualified uh, employees and and agents to make sure that they can do everything. Um, We feel like sales and marketing is, sales is really hard to find. Not hard to find, but it's hard to find someone that's like-minded and that knows property management. Um, and so in our emerging markets, we have 1099 employees and that's they, their first six months, all they're doing is growing a business. And so it sells. So that's the number one factor for us is can they sell? And then also and on top of that, can they be an effective property manager? Cause they handle everything as well. They might get assistance later on and stuff like that, but they handle everything. Uh, but the key for that is they gotta be responsive and, and it's pretty quick to know if they're gonna be a good salesperson or not. It's not just being responsive and following up. It's learning the content, how to present a message, how to read the clientele. Um, And so when we have a hire decision, we're trying to find that one unicorn of employee, basically, they can do sales, property management, maintenance coordination. And overall, we want them to be a real estate expert as well, because we want them to be total fiduciary for these landlords to help them buy and sell real estate as well. So we're looking for this unicorn. So we're really, that's our biggest thing is finding good talent and searching for it. But the business developer, every time we have the discussion, almost once a month of, so we just have a business developer as well, you know, and we, and in here in Arizona, and we just kind of go all over the place with it, but we always stick to the factor of, hey, we want that total fiduciary responsibility, but because it's what you're talking about. They don't answer the phone or they're not responsive. If they just, if some web form comes in within five minutes, we call it personally nine times more to convert nine times more. I mean, that's how it's all as easy as just timing, you know, and like that, anybody can do that. You don't have to be a great salesman to, to be responsive. Um, so we do it a little bit differently, um, but we believe we, we see the, B, the BDM process of it as well. We just try to combine that into one role and hopefully we, we pay them a bunch of money. And so they are our rock stars. And that's the key is finding rock stars for us. So you'll see that that's our number one struggle uh, is, is finding that right person. And we wholeheartedly know it's a challenge um, and we'll see maybe if it changes later, but we want to go into an area with low overhead costs. And that's what we've kind of figured out is we can go into an area and be fiscally responsible and actually cash flow within six months and pay our total investment back in a year, and so that's our goal. Is if we're, if we're paying our investment back in a year, we can open as many markets as we want. That's pretty easy cash flow, uh, or cash cash sense for us, and, and so that's what we try to do. And so we're limited on how much we can do. We can't afford a business developer, a broker, a property manager, a mortgage coordinator in these new areas. Um, so we can grind up to one, but it's been successful. We had we have great great rock stars man that's just we've been lucky to be honest i don't know why they And sometimes i'm like in the interview i'm like why would they take this job <laughs> you know start off at zero hey i don't know you might make tons of money here's the leads and stuff that we do but i don't know if you're a good fit or not you know it's just kind of a, a crapshoot it's hard to, to gauge everything on them but but sales is the number one factor whenever we're going that many it's can you grow a business because the first six months you're growing the business you're starting from scratch do you track your conversion rate Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and,
1: and if you're being hey, honest channel. about it, what is the worst market? With, with the, what, not, you don't have say what the market is. What is your worst conversion rate,
0: A worst uh, location? Worst location? It, well, I think that's a little tricky. It's because it also depends on our agent and the people we employ. But Phoenix is the hardest market. It's the most competitive. Um, you know, and it's funny, like, Vegas, we have a high conversion rate. Who would have thought Vegas would be a high conversion rate for us? We thought it would be similar to Phoenix and Reno's, like, off-the-chart conversion rate. Um, What's but, high? What, I'm sorry, Ben. What what is high in, in uh, 70 75 percent? To be honest, seventy five percent. Yeah, man, we're twenty we're twenty five percent on our conversion rate. You know, we're we're getting as things as we can. You know, for web forms, for web forms. If you include all leads, you know, it's up to forty percent. But we're I'm, I care about web forms so those are trackable. The phone leads, the agents can manipulate. They might not put the lead in the system or they didn't tag the system right to make it or referrals. They don't put those in. They only put in ones that they want. Um, and so I go off of web form basis. And so it's about for qualified web forms about twenty five to thirty percent is is average across the board um and it depends on it really depends on the agent that's funny is I can pull up all the markets and um it's it's kind of based on agents so that's where we track everything though from its phone referral Facebook, wherever it came from, how the channel is, and by person um we track the conversion rate and true conversion rate we're not gonna you know if they cancel within a month that's not a conversion that's just uh, someone signing up to to boost their numbers you know
1: mm. so how do you deal with underperforming agents? So I think that may be a problem that a lot of our audience is dealing with. They have 1099 portfolio managers that that are no longer hungry. This is what I hear. You know, they're, they're sort of half their hundred properties or whatever, and they just don't take the call or then you know they're, maybe they're too busy. But how do you deal with underperformers?
0: Not that's that's always a tricky way, but uh, you know you have to have your KPIs and standards set beforehand, and so they measure themselves, and so that's what we do is. And we have a new program coming out that we actually updated a little bit is they can measure themselves and see where they're at. And that's the key for us is if they need to be self-aware. And so, hey, you're just not converting as much. And plus we show all the conversion rates to everybody. They go to their dashboard, we use Salesforce we integrate everything. They go to their dashboard, they can see Hey, I'm I'm at 15% conversion on my web forms and this guy's at you know 30%. What's he doing different? And then usually it's the oh it's the market. Well then look at the other 20 markets and they're all the same. Um and so if they have those KPIs, that's what we try to harp on. Hey, look at this, look at this, and, and also are you not following up? Um we have a standard procedure of things, they can deviate from it. If they're successful, we don't care. You know, deviate while you want, we're gonna take what you're was successful and we'll implement in our standard procedures. Um but if they're not following up, we just kind of have to show them. I think it's exposure. Sometimes you get them to an interview, and you're like you are firing me? What? Why would you fire me? Like, you have no idea that we've been talking about this thing. Well, you have to be direct. We don't like the formal. It's one on one. I'm going to give you a piece of paper, a discipline action. We don't like that. But we like, hey, if you have KPIs, you have exposure to our information. We're going to be we're team players, man. We'll throw it out there. We're not going to be that type to get down on people. Hey, we're all learning. We treat them as entrepreneurs, and that's the personality we like. Hey, you're an entrepreneur. We're just trying to teach you how to make more money. For these nine employees, it's revenue share. So if they make more money, or if we make more money, they make more money. So we core align our interest, um, and then just KPIs is key, man. I, I, I can't say that enough. you have to have KPIs, you can't, you can't measure it. If you don't, you know, what's the rule? I can't of that terminology right now, but you can't.
1: Yeah, uh, I can't. You know, if you, Whatever you can measure, you can manage, something yeah, like that. Something like that, you, measure, you know. Um, and so, in Phoenix, it's, what does it cost per click? Like $22 or something?
0: Oh yeah, I can reach from that, and there's some keywords that are forty bucks per click. You know.
1: So oh, let's so forty bucks per click. Okay, so, and in Reno, it's like I don't know nine or six. Yeah, two bucks on some of those. <laughs> two bucks. Oh wow, that 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 low. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, No, yeah. no, no. They're like
0: twenty bucks there. No one should go to Reno. So.
1: <laughs> no, don't no, go to Reno. <laughs> well, Reno's, Reno's awesome. blowing up no matter what. Yeah. Man. It's uh, isn't uh, Elon? building a factory
0: there, a it's, there it's there yeah they just bought the hotel man to, to staff their employees that are coming through there's lots of people there Samsung. there's there's tons of companies there it's actually our second biggest market which is oddly enough reno is so uh, we love it
1: yeah that's a good place but so how do you do you, do you run adwords in phoenix
0: yeah yeah we do wow. uh, yeah so we're we're not always the number one spot you know there's some people that are number one spots we're, we tend around the two or three spot is what we try to go for and yeah, our cost per click, you know, on average, is about eighteen bucks. You know, there's some, there's some outskirts keywords that take it down. You know, we do the whole valley, so you know, it's a two hour drive across. We do all those, um, but yeah, the conversions lower just higher competition, especially the flat fee. Um, everybody's flat fee here now, basically, um, and so it's hard to differentiate yourself. And we don't give away free months or anything like that. And there's a lot of companies that do that here, so we have to really differentiate ourselves in other means. But uh, it's very competitive. I, I think it's it's the most competitive market uh, by far.
1: And and so what is your lead cost in Phoenix? That must be so if you're eighteen, average eighteen, so must be about hundred twenty, hundred forty bucks.
0: Yeah, it's about just just over a hundred bucks. And so, um and then you count, you know, one out of four convert, you know, so acquisition cost four, four fifty. And then we throw on the commission. You're pretty
1: good for Phoenix, man. That's really good for Phoenix.
0: Yeah, and you throw on a commission. So we, we try to be under, you know, five hundred is our goal in the bigger markets, you know, but beyond some markets are killing it, you know, but uh but it's also, we're not grasping for everything. You can, we can get more leads, then you just start paying more and you get less effective. And again, back to that stupid f- fiscality, You know, we wanna make sure we're, we're spending smart money um, and to grow. And so we just have to be happy, hey, we're gonna grow 30 to $40 instead of 50 to 60 every month You know, in a market or whatever. And who manages all that? So we have a, we have a firm that's in-house um, that does it uh, for us, and then I kind of oversee it. You know, it's, I love that stuff, and so it's been ingrained in me, so I can't not give it up, and they probably hate me, you know, because I'm like, why don't you do this keyword? You know, I just kind of butt in there whenever I can. But uh, we have a firm that's exclusive to us, so no one else can grab them as a property magic company. Uh, we kind of made that deal. Uh, but they're good. They're really, really good. They come from actually like a, more about medical, I can't remember. They sell some kind of like herbal pills or something like that is where their, their experts were at, um, and we're just kind of, picked them up and uh they've been they've been killing it you can see our our cost for conversion keeps going down for the last eight months and our costs and our conversions keep going up the lines are are interacting so it's awesome to see that you know Hmm. very cool
1: i hope you're enjoying this podcast i wanted to take just two minutes of your time and say thank you to our sponsor a company who makes this podcast a reality that's four and a half my company we do marketing for property management companies we've done it for the last seven years and the latest innovation we're introducing is guaranteed plans that's right we we're able to guarantee the performance of our marketing and website services to you if you hire four and a half to do both your marketing and the website it all starts with a thorough business performance review where we really take a deep look into your business seo uh, business practices your uh, identify current up gaps and areas of opportunity and then figure out how to close them for you then we're going to guarantee a specific outcome in terms of results and if that aligns with your goals for the business we can sign you up for this guaranteed plan and deliver the results to you or work for free if you have any uh if you would take take a further look at this go to four and a half.com hit pricing and take a look at our guaranteed plans thank you let's get back to the show um let's talk about your. Um pricing model a little bit i mean it's very very simple um 80 per month do you do you find that helps you get a certain quality of the properties or or what kind of like do you have quality there we go i think everybody's like right now sitting on the edge of the chair they're like oh then how you know would you take crappy properties? Like, do you guys take crappy? I mean, is this yeah. 2,000 of crappy properties? Let's be honest. Or is it 2,000 medium properties? Group? Like, how do you, like do you Do you deny business? Do you say like, okay, yeah. we can't take that deal?
0: Yeah, that, that's our famous line, man. Just say no to business. Uh, we have very few under $1,000 rentals. You know, we have very few fourplexes. We have like one multifamily or two multifamily in Reno that we inherited. But on that, man, like we get three bedroom, two bath and above. So the $80 flat fee, that's the great thing about it is, you get more quality homes. You know, you're getting from the sixteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars range is, is our typical where we're at in Phoenix, and other markets vary and stuff. But um, that's the key: is we get quality homes, we get quality tenants. We also get landlords that have more money to buy. Usually, that means they they, they bought a bigger home. Usually, they're a little more successful to buy more properties. Um, we can also sell some more ancillary uh, revenues there uh, to these tenants, and that's the key for us: is we want to make money off the tenant, but not not charging to fee them but also give them opportunities to buy something else or or give them opportunities that bring value to them. Um, and so if their clientele is they have an average you know net income more than than the you know the four and stuff like that. So uh, that's the key with the our flat fee. The flat fee that's what's killer about it. Plus, you know, we don't charge, we always charge even if it's vacant. And so we get we get income no matter what, steady. It's standardized and so we know how much we're gonna get and can easily, you know, our revenue models are easy to to plan out.
1: Does your lease up fee change um, market? Better?
0: No, no, let's be honest, we kept it the same. So we do a 50% of one month's rent. That's what's nice about it. And we've dabbled in other markets. Hey, should we, should we increase? You know, but right now we're such a growth market, we can still make money with it. And we feel like, hey, let's we'd rather get in all the clientele we can and then we'll worry about pricing later. But it's really worked well for us. Um, Phoenix, we're we're kind of in the middle of the road. There's people that are cheaper than us. They be the flat rate, you know, $3.99 or $4.99 for the, the lease up fee. Um, but we still like the 50% just to kind of weed out some people too, you know We, we want to make sure we, hey, our demographic our niche is this lane Let's stick in that lane. We might go a little bit out But we're not gonna go for that broad reach to get every client. Uh, we, we care about our attrition rate We have a really low attrition rate and that's what we feel like we're successful It's, it's not about how many doors you grow or how many gains how many you net, you know, and so that's what we really focus in on
1: What do you what are the fees you mentioned some other fees uh, what do you charge tenants what uh,
0: uh,
1: (laughs) Any creative creative things you were willing to
0: share? Yeah, we we do all the same thing everybody else does, man. We're not going to, you know, we don't throw it down their throat, though. We don't force them to do stuff. We have the tenant admin fee, and then we do the monthly admin fee. That's really common in Arizona, but it's not common everywhere else. We do a 1% monthly admin fee to everybody across the board and justify that. Hey, we're providing a portal, we're providing easy access for you. Um, We're also helping you rent the property so we get away with that. But other than that, we don't charge anything else to the tenant. We don't take anything else security deposit. We don't make them do filters or make them do insurance or anything like that. We, but we offer insurance. We offer filters. We offer things for them. Um, satellite dish, cable TV, anything. you Think of affiliates, we, we offer to them. And we kind of bundle it and, and package it different ways, through your campaigns through our leasing agents, you know, kind of making it uh, more uh, symbiotic relationship of, hey, we know you're moving. Here's some things you need. We organized it for you. We're just trying to help you out. And then we get a little kickback. Um, but key for us is also real estate. You know, if they're ready to buy, let's get them in these, you know, credit repair programs and get them ready to buy and use ready agents to bu- help them buy a home or help them buy an investment. You know, uh, the common term is called rent vesting, is where you actually buy a home to rent out that you're later going to move into and you're actually renting, uh, even though you own a home. Um, and so we, we encourage them to do that as well, um, just give them the benefits of that. Hey, you have good enough credit, but you don't know exactly where you're going to move yet. Once you buy a rental home and gain some income and equity, and when you're ready, you can sell that, move into that, or you know, sell it and, and buy a bigger home when you're ready to buy. Um, so those are the big pros that we, we try to implement. We're not perfect at those things. You know, we don't really figure that out yet, but that's what we're trying to do is, hey, we want our revenue to be 50% of our landlord fees, and the rest come from ancillary tenant fees or anything else that we can build up to help bring value to them. And again, we don't like throwing it down their throat, though. We don't like that mythology. Uh, we want to, hey, we can bring value. We can make money off of it, and that's what we want. Win-win for everybody.
1: Got it. So do you run any of those auxiliary, like the TV connection services, utility connection services? Do you run any of those or do you have just partnerships that you uh, you build out?
0: No, we, we, like some of them we run. We just did affiliates real quick, you know, with Commission Junction or whatever, and I just built a quick email drip campaign. I've done those before. And so I have some templates that work. They're not the greatest. Um, and then we have some other partners that we're, we're looking at. You know, we're looking at a utility company right now that are a utility service that helps set up and You know, kind of like the white fence thing, but it's more to to help them and see that that partnership where they actually do the lead nurturing and stuff, which could be more beneficial than than just a drip campaign. Our drip campaign, you know, you're getting 1% to 2% conversion, you know, but with these, you hopefully get 5 to 7% conversion, so worth it. So we're exploring those right now, and that's the key for us is we want to make sure we have good affiliates. Your insurance company, we have a good affiliate, you know, things like that that we're just slowly building. Um, that bring value, but we want to vet them. We want to be like that, you know, the Dave Ramsey prefer, I can't remember if his thing is, you know, the preferred vendor or whatever. That's what we kind of want to build is, hey, these are preferred vendors that we've vetted out that can bring value to you, uh, whether it's the landlord or the tenant. And sometimes you might make money, sometimes you might not make money off of them, but we want to bring that value and, and be that total fiduciary. If they need rental investment success, they're coming to us to, to make sure the rental investment is successful and they have all manners of it.
1: Mm gotcha and and so what how many out of two thousand properties how many sales have you ha- had excuse me over the last 12 months do you have that number like what well you, uh,
0: you know i don't have it on hand you know 30 51 uh, we're in the hundreds you know hundreds, hundreds. okay yeah so okay. it's uh it depends you know dallas is they do a really good job at it some of the markets the agents aren't doing a good job at it or we've haven't had enough vested in it you know think of you know we have what was it like nine, 10 markets that opened the last 18 months. So they're still under 500 doors each of these markets. So they've only been a year. So none of them are really selling that much. Usually what we've gotten to emerging markets is they're seeking out a property manager before they even bought a home. Uh, and that's the way we get them Is hey, let's get that. So we got a lot of buys on that. And then if they're willing to sell, you know, we try to sell it in 1031 into a, a, a smaller market where they can get more for their money, more for the bank, you know, but um, but something, that's something we still need to work on. We're, we're horrible we're about it still. You I'll admit that we're still working to figure it out and, you know, our Dallas agents did 32 deals in a year. That's great. You know, how can we duplicate that everywhere um, is the key. And uh, it goes back. We have so many markets. It's hard to standardize that, you know, between agents because we learn that agent so much. And they all have different skill sets and different learning methodologies. Mm. And so when,
1: if you break down roughly the revenue, currently in the revenue vision, what is the percentage you'd get from, Property management portfolio versus everything else. Let's call them C. I call it CVUs. You know, uh, complementary yeah. business units. Uh, what is the percentage now, and what is the percentage, let's say,
0: when you get to 2020 goal? Yeah, so I looked it up now. It's, it's about, you know, 85% is now from property management fees, 85 to 90%. You know, and our goal is to get that to, you know, 60% to 40%. You know, like we want to be the CBU is what you call them. Uh, we want to increase that tremendously. Uh, we feel that's the, the value of it. We still want a good product and a profitable product for our management fees. For sure. You know, the space is there and how we have it set up is is geared towards that. We're not departmentalized. they have one contact, these tenants and landlords. So build up on that relationship build that trust and if we can help them be successful um, you can gain a lot of revenue from that and it's a win-win across the board and that's that's the key there so but yeah we definitely want the 60-40 split would be awesome if you could figure that out you know and I include tenant fees and all that into the 60 percent you know I'm just 40 percent of those ancillaries are gonna could be could be killer you know but we're a long way from that we're definitely a long way from that we're you know we've focused a lot on growth and so we're still a small team um, but we feel like we could, We have some things in place and, and things coming up that really can can boost our revenue and, uh, you know, help with that cash flow so we can grow any faster.
1: Benton, how do you think about scaling locations? Because uh, if you're agent dependent, let's say that agent gets to 50, 60, 150 properties, what then?
0: That's that's a great question. We've done it a few times, you know, and, and what we've typically done is, shut off the leads and give the, and hire another 1099 agent and give them the leads. And then the, the person that has 100 doors, usually around 100 doors, they just maintain their current portfolio and grow naturally through referrals or go through programs um, and keep nurturing their leads. By that time, you know, they have 400 or 500 leads each year. And so they've built up a, a good database that they can keep nurturing. And And that's what our key is. If you keep nurturing for the next three years, your conversion rate's going to go up 20%. So just keep, keep nurturing. Uh, but that's been kind of the handoff. We've also have one agent that hired an assistant okay, you can, hire, you can manage more. We think about 125 to 150 because they also do their own leasing, self-showing, but they still do their leasing agreements and negotiations and verification. So um, so we kind of play that game, you know, but uh, it's it's been a little, you know, it's worked and it's worked some, you know, it depends on how it's going, you know, but we think that's still the best mythology of what type of programs we want to run. It's getting about getting that good client though. And you got to keep doing it though. It's just It's just hard to keep doing it. And then once we get big enough, we'll see. And there in Phoenix, we don't run them to 1099 co- contractors, they're all employees, because we had a bigger portfolio already. And then in Vegas, the same way, and Reno now, the same way as well. We have one independent contractor, but it's 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 hard. I think we all, we're kind of in the middle with some our established markets versus our emerging markets. And, you know, we want to go towards the emerging market independent contractor way, um, but it's, you lose, you feel like you're giving away money almost. You know, you feel like you're giving away money, but then you realize back in the day, it's quality of service. It's the caliber of person that we have to deal with. And can we get like-minded people to help these investors continue to grow and get more doors through organic referrals and stuff like that?
1: Mm. Gotcha. And so, is there a breaking point where you are going to put a uh, a location, an office, a physical office there, and, and and actually start building more of a you know true yeah. kind of a um, let's say an you know satellite yeah. office?
0: As of right now, no, to be honest, we don't. We have a physical location. You know, we have an office, but we, they still work from home and go to office whenever they want. It's a shared office space. Um, but our goal for right now is, no, uh, keep everything in back office, keep it really slim. Um, so we have account managers to do all the paper pushing and digital things here, you know, put the property in, advertise pay bills and all that stuff. So we centralize it, and then we leave these 1099 employees to really be the communicators and the coordinators. And we think we just keep building upon it, you know, and, and see how it goes. It's working, you know, in, in Dallas, we have... Two agents and Atlanta we had three agents you know like it's just it's working and so we think we continue to go that way comes down to the point I think is it's going to be a hard transition for us to go back to traditional office I think uh, if let's say you're at thousand doors you have eight agents hey by the way now you guys are all not 1099 nine. You're W2 and your revenue share we're obviously going to cut your pay <laughs> because you're W2 now I think it's going to be a difficult choice for us but uh, I think we we think we've planned it out enough that we can actually keep it going with the 1099 agents and make it successful in a cohesive offense. We'll still have to have some kind of managerial position there, you know. The broker's not really the manager, you know. Um and so we still have to figure that out. But uh so far it's been successful, so we'll see how many we can get to. There's a company here in Arizona that does it and they're at 20 agents, uh, about 2000 doors, and they do a great job of it. So there's there's a model there. We do definitely do things a little bit differently and and we have a lot more technology and stuff behind it. So it's a little bit different, but still, they're successful at it, so we think we can be successful at it, and it keeps our costs down uh, when these emerging markets. So uh, that's key for us getting the footprint, but uh, you never know what the future holds, you can't say, but we definitely wanna uh, make sure they're taken care of. We feel like it's an entrepreneurial spirit. That's the way to win. If they feel that and they, they grab onto it, um, then why change?
1: So the key is really in your model is to bring the right person in.
0: Yeah, that's hundred percent. If we can bring the right person in, uh, we can do it. We we have the leads. We have tons of leads. Um, we can do it. Uh, it's just getting the right person in place, and so that's that's the hard part. Is, and we're still figuring out. We're doing a lot of things. We just went over a, a thing yesterday about predictive hiring, how we can improve our hiring process. And so we've thrown everything out there that we can. And you know, our, our regional manager that we hired is that's what he is. He comes from human capital. That's that's his that's his goal. You know, and didn't find the right person. And so hundred percent. If we find the right person, we'll be successful. If we don't, we'll be mildly successful. And that's not what we're going for. We're not going to be in an area that we're going five to 10 doors. It just doesn't make sense for us. We want to be 20 to $30 a month at least, you know.
1: Here's the question. And then we're going to go to your technology stack. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably have to wrap it up. This has been interesting, but I think we're um, um, going to have a, an end goal here as well. Um, so, well, um all right let's let's actually you know what let's look into because i i know you um i want to ask you like a bunch of questions there's a bunch of, i'm just trying to prioritize uh in the interest of time um my, my first question i want to can you lead us into the technology stack by first explaining to us and myself What is the what is your role like? What do you do every day as a CEO of fast-growing property management company? What do you What are your specific goals? What are your specific What does your day look like? What are your responsibilities? And then, sort of maybe lead us into the, the technology side. How do you guys stack up in terms of what systems you use for what? Sure. Yeah.
0: My day to day is—I'm pretty removed from the operational aspect of it, managing the employees and stuff. I have, we have great—we have a director of property management, is great, and regional manager is great for emerging markets. Um, so my goal, my oversight, is marketing and technology, really. And I'm hands-on with that because I love technology. Um, we contract out some things, but I actually build some of it myself. ourselves. So, you know, if the technology—I still feel we're still small enough that we need to wear multiple hats, and so—and it's expensive for technology, so I like to—I like to take that on upon myself. Um, but that's really what we go for. So marketing and technology go together, though, uh, you know, and operations as well. Luckily, I've been, been around operations and I managed homes and I've been through that process. So I kind of and I've been through every single department. I have I've done everything as a property manager, as an accountant, as everything. And so I can understand their roles and what their needs are for technology stack that we need to help make them more efficient. Um, and so we we've tried to we're going segment. You know, we don't have a big cash influx to spend ten million dollars on our software. Um, You know, we're going uh, platform based. So we're using the Salesforce's force.com and customizing it. And we're just picking off little modules that we can do that we can 100% turn over to Salesforce without just enhancing our current uh, CMR CRM platform that we use for our property management. Um, And then also, how can we bring other things into it? So we want everything 100% to be Salesforce eventually, if we can get to that point. Um, to a point, if it makes sense to still to keep on with our third-party property management software and then just have Salesforce as a supplement, uh, we're, we're we're good with that, too, if they open up their API and make it really a good API. Um, and so that's the key for us is push it all in there. Um, but we love big data. You have to you have to know what you're going through. I love seeing it. You know, like RingCentral, I know you use RingCentral. I just, you know, that's a conference we're on right now. I love it. It has an open API, man. I put everything in that I can. I don't care what it is. I'll grab that data and I'll put it in Salesforce so we can see it. Now I see how many missed calls our leasing line has in Atlanta. I know how many you know, missed calls we have in our sales line in Denver. Um, and you just consolidate that to see and then we can run KPIs from it. And so we're trying to integrate as much as we can. Uh, either hopefully it talks to Salesforce or it's built within Salesforce. So a lot of our need, lead nurturing, we customize and build through Salesforce. And then obviously like our drip campaigns and stuff like that, we use an additional software that talks to it. Um, same thing with Green Central. anything you think of QuickBooks, a lot of things can can uh, sync up with Salesforce. And so eventually, hopefully we can replace modules and just use Salesforce 100% native. Um, but it's, we're going segment by segment, you know, where it's me building it or contracting it out or finding people that have something already that I can implement. Um, and we just want to make sure we're not going to be, I don't want to just be spending 20 grand a month on software. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of, that's expense, man. I, I'd rather put it in marketing. Let's put in the doors to get the return, you know. There's yeah. a, certain, a certain point, you know. When we get big enough, a little bit bigger, um, it makes more sense because, hey, I can save a few jobs by making us more efficient with the software and I can close more deals with the software. Um, and so we're, we're, we're getting close, though. We're definitely getting close. Hmm.
1: So you don't uh, currently use any of the – top three accounting systems that like have follow your property where no, we, we do
0: we use property where um that's the big thing is because the ach and the payment gateways um yep. they kind of they, they have so many so it's hard to build your own because you're like hey you know i'm going to stripe hey i'm going to do a million dollars a month well i don't care i'm still going to charge you five bucks for every ach well that's not i'm not making money off the ach you know and so you kind of have to go through that so that's what we're looking at hey what modules can we take out Big one is application and screening and, and listing syndication. You know, we can bring those out. And so that's the first things we'll start doing is seeing, hey, we can not only take it out, but we can approve upon it. If we can approve upon it, let's do it.
1: You can probably monetize it too.
0: Oh yeah. That's what's key is, man. Capture all those prospects. Think I think we, we get, you know, each market, I think in Phoenix, we get 3,500 emails a month off of prospective tenants. I'm selling the crap at them with affiliates and, and, and stuff. I'm throwing everything I can at them. They need to move. They need a clean, they, they need cleaners. They need, security systems, they need cable TV. I can begin them same white glove service to them that I can to my tenants, so why not try to monetize that? And also I'm gonna drip them for real estate. Hey, your credit score can be, you know, know—I not we don't go off credit score, but we can say, keep throwing at them and see if their credit score is good and say, you can buy a house. Um, and so that's the key is capture that data and monetize it. And, and it's hard within a closed off system. We've built around, we don't even use the proper API, we just built around the, the XMLs out and figured it out um, to make it where we can bring all that information in and get it to our drip campaigns and. Um, that's the key is to keep going, but also enhance the customer experience. If we enhance the customer experience, they bring the value. They feel the value. They trust us. They realize, hey, we're not just here to get fee mongers. We're not here just to make revenue. We're here to make your life better and our life better. Um, and that's the key for us is, hey, these systems, and they can't. probably we're at Folio, Yardi, they have to kind of stay central, you know, because it's it's thousands thousand different variations of how to use the software. They can't really dive into a process and make it really customer-centered. Where we can, we can totally make a customer signature exactly our clientele, we know who they are, we know what they want. And so we can, and we, you, know, you know, we gauge it and build it for them.
1: Yeah, I made a mistake switching to uh, a terrible CRM. From, from very basic and very good CRM as we were growing up, you know, up to you know, eight, nine, 10, 20, 15 employees that still worked, At 15 it started, started really sort of breaking apart. I really should have gone Salesforce. I went, I made, I made just a dumb choice. Um, and um, I'm I'm not going to say where I'm at because I'm not going to be there for long. Uh, but boy, um, what a difference a CRM makes! I mean, yeah. we have to do everything manual. I mean, Lead Simple obviously is is a That's great fair. solution for most people out there. Yeah. But I think I can I, I can feel your passion, man. Um, and Salesforce is something I, I've known for a long time. I've worked with other companies where. You know, But but you have to be a technologist. Like, Let's just face it, yep. 99% of, of people listening, including myself, I don't have zero interest walking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> around in the yep. Salesforce, looking at all these different apps. It's overwhelming to me. It's going to be fun if it's not my only job, but yeah. it's not my only job. I got to oversee a company. Yep. How do you balance that, like really wanting to dig in and, and, and actually start tweaking these little, yeah. little uh, um, oh, you know, buttons at Salesforce yeah. versus actually running a company?
0: And that's that's the struggle I have with it. sometimes Sometimes I spend you know a couple of nights working on this little app for Salesforce when I should have been cold calling some doors to acquire or working on our marketing because they get excited about it and I get engaged in it. And so that's my. I remember I was ten years ago that we started Salesforce with my other company, and I remember I, I remember I just founded. I went through it. I'm like, I think we're at 150 200 doors. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. This is gonna be a game changer to us if we can implement it. I remember spending it up all night tweaking with it, figuring it out proposal. I had a PowerPoint. I had everything. I went to my boss, my you know, partner, hey, I think we should do this. And I, I was ready for like a two-hour debate. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this done. Two seconds. Like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, what the? You know, all right. Yeah, I paid all this time. But you had everything ready. <laughs> yeah, I had everything ready. But he self-evaluing it, the value in it because there's a lot of value in it. And that's why I was like, well, how can you do that in your own business, local office? You're not going to be tech savvy. You know, like I love technology. I'm buying the new things. Well, find an accountant. All the – I took – accountants and programmers take Three years, pretty much take the same classes. All accountants have taken four or five different software programming classes and IT classes. them is a secondary attribute. Like You just never know an experiment. Let them experiment. Give them some time. Maybe it's five hours a week to experiment and bring something to you. Uh, but use it as a secondary function. I don't think it's worth your while to bring on just some of this IT guy, software guy, because a lot of them aren't experimental. They're not enthusiastic about it. They're just doing it to get a job. But if it's a secondary aspect that they're enthused about, that's who you're going to get the value out of it because they love it and they see the passion behind it. And so if they're really going to spend extra hours or time on it, that means it's, it's good for you. It's not just good for their pocketbook. And so that's why I say is just try to find something that's a little bit IT-centered and let them experiment. It's okay to experiment. Like Salesforce, you have a free developer account. You can go build whatever you want. Like, do stuff like that. Find Podio. I mean, that's, they're all, they have all these free things you can figure out. You just have to be enthused about it. But don't go overboard with it. You know, you, you can't. Yeah, I remember at 200 doors, we shouldn't have, because I spent all my time on it. But I, I got all my duties done, but I, mean, I always spend all my time on it. We just focus on the on things. You know, you have to build upon, line pine lawn. figure out what's essential to your business. And maybe branch out a little bit, but don't go from zero to a hundred. It's just not worth it for you. It's your, you remember your ROI. But I'd say always keep trying things. You never know. Um, you never know what will stick, but don't release to your whole staff every time you're trying something. Just try it internally. You know, figure out, hey, so what I do is like, when I release something, I go and do with the the person that's gonna do it. If there's accounting and it's a you know automation refund, I'm gonna go through and go through the steps with them and then I'm gonna bring in the automation and I'm gonna go through it myself and try it out before I even release to them. Um, so they're not overwhelmed and I don't wanna overwhelm my staff with it. You know, it's I can I can take that upon myself because I'm okay working 60 to 70 hours a week. I don't want them working 60 to 70 hours a week though. No. Um, I want them working 40, 45, You know, have a life. That's the goal. So, it's it's a it's a it's a gauge, man. But I I'd always say, just find someone that's in secondary activities. They love it. And let them experiment.
1: So I, I love man. There's so much, so much more I want to unpack. Uh, we might have to do episode two because we haven't even gotten to customer service and customer experience, oh, yeah. which yeah. is which is the stuff I really wanted to sort of like uh, um, have you explain to us how how you do things, because. Look, Benton, you, you can do all kinds of tweaking in your software, but you have to have a purpose and a vision on what is it that you're trying to deliver, and then that software needs to solve that. Yeah. I think the, the 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 wrong way to approach it is to try to see what software can do, yeah. r- rather than you know what needs to be done. And I'm going to just pick up a book here. Uh, Jordan Weller, my kind friend, sent me this book called Never Lose a Customer Again. Man, what a joy, uh, what a read, man. I have just... Oh, um, incredible! But there are books like that um, that, that that truly educate you. And because I think, as an industry, we need to get educated. As a property management industry, we need to get educated on customer experience. Almost nobody does almost nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Nothing. So if yeah. you are, if you are better, if you send them a handwritten note, like if you do something outside of you just just, just just handling the the problems or being somewhat proactive, it's a
0: win. Right? Three cash yeah. game. That's it's funny as other industries have caught on. It's just our industry hasn't yet. I think we have gotten away with it. Um but it's also like we talked about before, you don't want to go extreme and it's a coolness factor sometimes with technology. Like we've I remember going through and releasing this awesome app for maintenance. This is gonna be awesome. And you can slip your bids, you go through your bids, all automated, it's cool, you can like a checking cart. No one cared, man. They're like, hey, can you just send me the PDF and I'll prove the whole thing? Like, what the? No, you just go online. And this is some cool checkout, you know, like you can pay right there. No, just send me the PDF and then I'll send a check and mail check it. you know? like, oh, okay, well, it was useless. So you have to engage your customers know what they want. And It goes back to those simple things of, hey, uh, I'm not going to build out this huge customer portal that's awesome for these tenants. Because sometimes I just want to pay rent, you know. Uh, but, so I'd rather build out other things. Hey, what do they care about? They care about maintenance and their home being right. You know, so let's gauge that. Figure out what they really want, what your customer wants, and then how can we expand upon that. And we got so much, we're so far behind. I mean, you know, there's tons of things you can do in our industry. We start with hiring good people that are reactionary, are responsive, not reactionary, responsive. If they're responsive, that goes a long way. Even, I don't care if it's a tenant, man, you're responding right away. Even if you don't know the answer, respond right away, figure out something to help them. And then sometimes you have to do hard things, but just be a little bit more and then find things, engage them. Hey, send out a survey. Say, hey, I'm thinking about building this or doing something like this or giving away gift cards. What do you guys think? Do you think that'd really help you in your decision to buy a home or whatever it is? Send out surveys, talk to them on the phone, tell your agents, hey, just every time you talk to a tenant, ask them about this and see what the gauge back is. And it only takes five minutes, you know, and get it back. You're not doing it every day. You're just doing it. Hey, I'm doing it once every two months. I'm doing this and I'm doing a passive email uh, survey once a month. And then just figure out what they want and then make their needs. I think sometimes we build, hey, I, I think they need this, and this is what I'm going to give my service to. And I think our industry's back is like, hey, what do they want? And sometimes they want paper statements. Well, how can we make that easier for them? You know, And then how can we educate them to realize that's wrong. You shouldn't have paper statements. Go online. But, you know, it's either educate them or it's give them what they want. And it's okay. You know, just give them what they want. But uh, a lot of times I feel like it's not – you're not stepping it back forward when you give them what they want. You're expanding your business. You're improving the industry. And because it's going to come in the next five or 10 years for sure. These millennials, and we always say that keyword millennial, but people are expecting other things from other softwares. It's going to creep over. They're just going to expect that. Hey, I'm used to having this. I'm used to having a button right here. I'm used to be able to do this. How come I can't do that in your system? Um, you know, and so paying my credit card, that's that's going to be norm. Paying my Venmo. I want to be able to pay my, my Venmo. How come I have to do a credit card? You know, in 10 years, it might be that. Let's be responsive. Let's, let's be engaged and experiment.
1: This is interesting. So let's wrap this up. I have one more question for you, but before that, I want to make a quick statement. Those of you who listened to this podcast and got all the way down to this episode, you're probably excited. There's just like 16 things Benton just said that are sort of like vital and important, but I think it's establishing that feedback loop um, by asking your customers what they're, Looking for and you know finding a way to experiment to deliver that value to them that is really the, the 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 way to improve and grow your business and so I always say there's three keys bent into three core principles to to business success three core principles and their purpose know where you're going um, have the team aligned culture all that but that I define that as purpose have your purpose know your numbers number two can't do can't live without it can't succeed without it. and number three the culture of experimentation. You, my friend, are the perfect example
0: of all three. I don't know about that, but thank you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, 100%. You have the purpose. And again, we just scratched the surface on some of these things. You know your numbers. You have KPIs. You know your numbers. And then you are absolutely like, um, you know, open to experimentation i think that's your kind of strong suit right that that is where you really shine and so you know what that is, is there's your story man 450 to two thousand units in two and a half years i have one more question yeah benton um what percentage of revenue do you spend on marketing oh man about
0: eight to ten percent you always pay mark ten percent man pay mark ten percent first you pay before you pay yourself and so Luckily, I have a good I have a good business partner, and Jacob is our my business partner makes less than anybody in the company. Um, and we don't take draws. We're, we're here for marketing, so we put everything back, so we can afford to pay ten percent of marketing. But yeah, man, pay mark, pay mark, dude. That's the key. It's my
1: game, man. That's how I do, man. Yeah. I, that's it. Everything goes back into business, man. That's where yeah. I control my own destiny by putting my everything I have back into business rather than somewhere else and have somebody else um you know like stock market or whatever but um in any event this was uh, a phenomenally um uh, illuminating interview i appreciate your time there's a lot there so guys i apologize we talked you know a thousand miles an hour but hopefully you can slow play it um (laughs) and we'll have an article written up so hopefully my copywriter will catch everything you said
0: but yeah sorry man i I talk fast i apologize uh, guys oh it's passionate I
1: i get it i get it so yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, we hope to see you at the PM Grow Summit. Um,
0: oh man, we'll and- we'll be there. We appreciate all you do, man. We, we've learned a lot from you. You and Jordan, you know, we, we love you guys. So really appreciate what you're doing for the industry. And you know, I'm always always up for anything. You know, I love talking shop. So appreciate the thank time. Thank you, thank you for your time, And guys. Until next time. Thank you for listening.